What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Got another Mock Draft Monday coming at you guys. Day late here, just a little Easter travel set us back a day. Um, wanted to give ourselves a chance to get back and recoup a little bit before we got a recording going for you guys. And it was a pretty busy weekend for me. It was a pretty week, busy weekend for Brett as well. Celebrating the Easter holiday. Uh, Want to give us an extra day here, but what we got today is a little bit of a uh, kind of a head-to-head mock draft, if you will. Uh, Brett and I have both completed uh, one round, no trades, uh, all 32 mocks here. So we've got every 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 pick of the first round that we've done separately, and we'll be revealing them. Uh, you know, I think it was like we're going to do one through five, six through 10, 11 through 15, uh, 16 through 20. And then twenty one through twenty six and twenty seven through thirty two, we'll, we'll be seeing it. We'll be seeing each other's picks for the first time uh, today live on the pod for you guys. Um, so I'll let Brett go ahead and get us started with the first five picks today. We're gonna jump right into it here. Um, like you said, we haven't seen each other's picks, but I feel like here at the top they'll be more similar compared to later in the round. So. Once again, it's a no trades mock. So every team is picking with the pick that they currently have. And uh, I'm going to get it started with the first overall pick the Jacksonville Jaguars have. I'm going to start with Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan, a guy that we've taken pretty much in every mock draft that we've done for y'all. And in the sixth edition of Mock Draft Monday, I'm going to stick with our guy, um, a guy that really just seems like he's going to go at the top. Some. a little bit of buzz recently about Trayvon Walker going first overall. Don't know how accurate that'll be come draft night as this time of year is a lot where a lot of false reports or smoke screens, in other words, are being put out by teams and reporters and stuff to try to deter other teams from, you know, knowing their plan going to draft night. But that's what I'm sticking with here at the first overall pick. And I think that's what they're going to do come Next Thursday, um, number two, Detroit Lions on the clock. Kyle Hamilton, I'm taking just like I normally do uh, when I have the evens in our joint mock drafts. And Sticking I with Kyle, it, I like it. Yeah, I, I like I like him going here. I mean, a lot of people are saying he could be there in you know the early teens, but I'm like, I don't know. And I feel like you have him going later, so I'm sticking with him just because I think he's really really good and he would fit that Lions defense well as they have a lot of holes. Uh, but Hamilton's a guy that, like I said, could go anywhere in the first half of the first round as of recent reports have been stating, but going here at two is a ceiling. And I just think you can't pass up on a guy, especially when we're doing no trades mock. Uh, no one's going to be trading up. Number three, got the Houston Texans on the clock with their own pick. And I'm going to take the second edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, a guy that, you know, really should go to the Texans. I know some Texans fans would be thrilled if this were the pick at three come next Thursday. And I just think that, you know, Kayvon is a guy that really could be the first overall pick. You know, people have him slip in the 10 or so. It's just crazy. I can't see him going beyond New York, the Giants, that is, at the fifth overall pick just because of the stupid high upside and what he can bring to a team, especially in terms of day one impact. I think his value is as high as anyone. Um, and then at number four, we have the New York Jets. And I'm going to go with my favorite player in the draft, Kemma Kwonu, a guy that I've been pegging to the Jets at four quite a bit. And I just, I'm going to stick with it here. I mean, it's an easy pick to make. I mean, the Jets have a lot of holes to fill, like other teams picking this high in the draft. But just taking 
what could they be their top player in the draft or at least their top offensive lineman here at four is big for them. And it's big to help, you know, kind of reboot and jumpstart that offense with a young quarterback back there for hopefully years to come. Then at number five here, got the New York Giants that also share the stadium with the Jets. And I'm going to go with another offensive lineman out of Alabama and Evan Neal. Um, I think Neal is a guy that could go at four, could go at three. And I just see him being the pick here strictly because, you know, the Giants want that offensive line. They always value offensive linemen pretty highly. They put a lot of draft capital in offensive line, even in the last few years. So I'm going to go with Neal out of Alabama to round out my top five. And, you know, two offensive linemen off the board here in the first five picks is about what I would expect. Yeah, I uh, my one through five or eighty percent the same. I got one pick different. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna throw this in here real quick. This is not NFL related, but this is huge news. This just got reported ESPN that there's a group led by a former All Star pitcher and uh, three time World Series champ Dave Stort going to be uh, obtaining an MLB expansion franchise in Nashville, first minority owned uh, team in league history. That's pretty cool. That's crazy. Wow. Well, I just saw that come across. And uh, as you were talking about Evan Neal for the Giants at five, uh, I saw that come across and thought we'd throw that out there in case, because uh, that's the first time I'm hearing of it. So I'm sure first time most people are hearing of it as listening to the pod tonight. So a little bit tidbit there, but back to back to the regularly scheduled programming of mock draft here. Uh, number one, I've got the same as Brett as Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the pick's not changing. Uh, we've said it for the last few weeks. I don't think it's going to change. Um you know, I'll be genuinely shocked if he's not the guy that Roger DeGale calls, you know, is the first guy that he calls their name. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy if it's not because I'm a Detroit Lions sympathizer. I'd like to see him go to Detroit because um, I think the guy that I have him taking it to is a bit of a reach. Um, not a guy I'm super high on, but Hutch still going one in Hutchinson. Uh, number two overall, this is where we differ. I've got Trevon Walker, the edge out of Georgia, going to Detroit at number two. Um, there's been some reports of Detroit's front office not liking Kayvon Thibodeau's, quote, character. I think that's lame. Um, I believe it, though. I believe that that's not the kind of guy um, that Detroit and Dan Campbell wants, being a guy who's a little more confident in himself, uh, a little more flashy, kind of has uh, – he's a little more outspoken off the field. So I think they'll go with Trevon Walker here. Listen, I, I talked about, I'll talk about it this week when we do our, our position rankings. I'm not super high on Trevon Walker. Just the problem is he didn't get enough edge reps at Georgia for me to say he's a surefire edge guy in the, at the next level. He's lost a lot of weight in his draft process. Um, you know, I, I do understand the upside. Like, I do think he, you know, if, if the upside with his athletic profile hits and the pass rush clicks for him someday, he could be a monster. But I just don't see it uh, right now. I don't really see it today. I don't know if it's ever going to get there for him. Um, but I think that's the pick they're going to go with. I, I don't – I think – Sometimes it's smoke, and sometimes there's well, there's smoke, there's fire, and I think this is an example where there's smoke and there's going to be fire here with Walker at two. Um, a guy, and I'll say this, and I don't think this will happen, but in a mega reach situation, this could be George Karloftis if they're really out on Kayvon Thibodeau's off the field, you know, character, charisma, whatever. Karloftis is the opposite of that. He's a, a not very outspoken guy. Um, out of Purdue, didn't really see a lot of media attention. And apparently the league likes his tape a lot. So I just just look for that maybe on draft night in a super like Cleveland Farrell at four type situation. Um, because the league was he, he was a guy who people had going in the, in the top five, top seven, uh, 
early in the draft process. He's kind of fallen down board. So maybe watch for that on draft night, but that's unlikely. Um, number three, I'm sticking with you, Kayvon Thibodeau, going to the Texans. Um, I went three edge guys, one, two, three, and that's how right now I think it'll play out on draft night. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't, but uh, would be not super shocked if this is how it was either. Um, spoiler for Thursday's episode, he's my edge one, and it's not close. I think his upside is that of a Chase Young or Bosa brother. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's a lot more raw than those guys were his prospects. But at the end of the day, the athletic profile this guy presents on the field at edge rusher and what he's done on tape shows he can be that kind of player. And um, obviously not won't have the day one impact that those Ohio State products did, but a guy who certainly could uh, be as good as those guys later in his career. Uh, and Houston, he has all the building blocks they can get uh, in terms of franchise guys. Number four, again, I'm going Ikea Kwonu, a guy that the Jets reportedly really like. Um, wouldn't be shocked if this was Sauce Gardner come draft night, especially if Icky is, was gone or even Neil was gone. Um, but right now it's a Quonu, and I think – I don't know if that will change. They want to get their offensive line better. They want to get the trenches better. Um, I think protecting for Zach Wilson is huge. you got to get him protection. Let him throw the deep ball around. Let him sling it. Uh, and I think Icky's the most versatile prospect from day one. Uh, he's not my tackle one, but he's like my tackle 1B basically behind Neil. But I think he's more versatile than Evan Neal in terms of I think he – plays a better guard at the next level than Neil does. And I think he's a better left tackle than Neil, which is ultimately where I think he slots for the Jets here, considering that Mekhi Becton's future with the team is pretty up in the air and uncertain right now. So I think this is the direction that they'll go on draft night. Uh, and I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll preface this now. The whole draft, my whole mock, I don't know, I don't want to speak for Brett, but for mine, mine was kind of a what I think will happen, not what I would do. And we'll see that with pick six here in a second. But this is more what I think will happen on draft night. Um, not necessarily what I would do if I was the GM. Again, Brett and I aren't GMs. Well, the seats are cold here, but um, providing our hot takes and our and our and our analysis of what we think will happen. Um, at five, again, Evan Neal. This is pretty. This would be a, an easy pick for them if they were on the board here. Um, he's the best right tackle in the class. Right tackle is their biggest need. Um, there's not too much analysis to break down here. He fills their biggest need. He's the best player in that position of the draft, and um, it. it should be a slam dunk for them on draft night. Uh, gives them two great bookend tackles for the next 10 years, and Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal at left and right tackle, respectfully, after Thomas looked a lot better after his first year uh, in New York. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. Um, like you said, you're doing what you think will happen, not what you would do. Mine's a little bit similar um, in terms of need and just like a few rumors around teams. I didn't go too deep into rumors because at the end of the day, I don't know what's true and what's false. Um, so I'm just trying to find out what the consensus for each team is on kind of the direction they want to go with their respective pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll go with that. I think, and I'll, and I'll get into my six through 10 here in a second, but um, this will alternate similar to how we did our, our big, our uh, positional boards. But, you know, I, I think for, for me, a, a big one is listening to beat reporters for these teams because you know, as Brett and I know, like the like I know that the Chargers beat reporters are oftentimes right on a lot of things, and they have the inside track and the inside knowledge, and that ranges true for most teams. And especially after, you know, Brett and I have talked plenty about you know the, what the Ravens might do, and um, you know, their beat reporters are usually on it, and that's all thirty two teams are like that. So that's 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 the only re, the only really rumor I based the, my stuff off of um, was from those guys. I'm not really buying into much uh, in terms of. Smoke. I don't think there's a lot of fire places, but uh, number six, I'm going to start off with this is this is my first hot take from the cold seat of the mock. I have a couple on a couple later on, but um, I got Desmond Ritter being the first quarterback off the board going to Carolina. And the reason being behind this is, again, this is not what I would do. 
If I was picking, if I had to pick a quarterback here, I'm taking Malik Willis and I'm betting on the upside every time. But teams really like Desmond Ritter, apparently. I don't see it. I think there's something to be said for a guy who had a knack for winning games in college, but I just don't see it. Again, I don't see it, but apparently the league does. He's reported to have had really, really, really good interviews. Um, every beat reporter that I've looked at for these teams, especially Carolina, has said that he's blown teams out of the water with his interviews. Um, you know, the not the only knock that I've really seen on Malik Willis is that teams are unimpressed with his ability to retain a playbook in like playbook information and, and an advanced offense. And I think that's where I mentioned last week how he did himself a disservice going to Liberty. That's where it shows. And I think Ritter has, he's from what I've read, he's done the best at that. Um, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Ritter, but this is what I think will happen or at least could happen on draft night. Um, again, I'd be taking Willis. I think that's still a possibility. Don't get me wrong. Is that any of the quarterbacks are a possibility for them at six, but with all this stuff coming out about Ritter, about his interviews, I, I think I'm, Again, I don't want to, but I think that that's what I might what I might buy into. Um, number seven here, I'm getting way off of the the hot take and getting back to a pretty a pretty mild take here with with Sauce Gardner at seven, Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of out of Cincinnati. Um, he checks every box that Link Martindale wants in a lockdown corner. Uh, big, physical, fast, athletic. Uh, the guy does it all. Um, there, there's no weakness to his game. I don't think. He can play a man. He can play corner. Eventually, I think the Giants will end up moving James Bradbury to clear some cap space. Um, probably going to happen on draft night or just after the draft, if I had to guess. Um, but either way, whether or not uh, you know they keep Bradbury, they should be drafting Saucier. The consensus top edge guys aren't there, and I think they can get a better edge in the second round, or early in the second round. Um, got Atlanta here at eight. I think I think Brett and I are going to get a little, a little different here. I'm, I'm going Drake London. Um, I think this is where the draft kind of gets interesting. Atlanta could go – any direction other than corner, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and it would fill – I mean, the thing is they, they pick anything other than corner and it fills an immediate need, whether it's quarterback, offensive line. If they want to take a running back at eight, take running back at eight. It fills a need. But, you know, receiver, uh, even a safety if in Kyle Hamilton who's on the board here for me. Uh, but I went with Drake London, and the reason being is because supposedly – the rumors are with the Atlanta beat reporters that they want to get more physical. And I guess in, in a press conference, I don't listen to Atlanta's GM's press conferences. Sue me. I'm not a Falcons fan, uh, but apparently their GM said he wanted to be more physical uh, at the skill positions at running back and receiver. And that's something that, that Drake London does for him. I think he compliments Pitts Well, they offer similar profiles um, in terms of being physical uh, pass catching targets, but um, I don't know if Pitts is just a jump ball guy or, Anything like that, I, but I think you pair Drake London and Kyle Pitts in the same offense, and think you can do a lot of damage deep. Um, again, the, he wants to be physical, and that's what Drake London does for him here. Um, at nine, I'm going Charles Charles Cross for Seattle. Um, they're in a strange state right now, and I don't know if they want to like win now and compete for that last playoff spot in the AFC in the NFC, or if they want to like be really bad next year. And I don't know. Hopefully, this pick gives us some guidance on that. Um, but I think they're going to be making an investment at the quarterback position in the future, probably next offseason, and getting a guy who's a who's a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle potentially. And Charles Cross is where you should start doing that. Um, and I think again, they could take Jermaine Johnson, they could take Derek Stingley, they could take Colin Hamilton. But ultimately, if they want to get a new quarterback, they have to keep him upright, which is something they couldn't do with Russ. So I think. Uh, you got to break in a new quarterback. There's no better way to do it when, when they're with a, a a legit left tackle in Charles Cross. 
And uh, with my round out the top 10 here for me, uh, I've got Jermaine Johnson going to the Jets. The Jets get two of the most premier trench, trench players in this draft at four and at 10 uh, in a Quonu going at four and Jermaine Johnson here at 10. And I think Jets fans should be just rejoicing. Robert Sala and staff are rejoicing. I think Jermaine Johnson getting to be coached up by, by Robert Sala for, for, you know, at least five years on that rookie deal would be monstrous for his development. I'm a big fan of Jermaine Johnson's. We'll get into that on Thursday. I know Brett is too. Um, big fan of his game. I think he fits Sala's defense perfectly. And again, I think he can become, uh, you know, a premier edge defender in the league for Robert Sala. And if, and if Jets fans, if they get, this is their haul, man, they're loving it after pick 10. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a set of five picks uh, from your mock there that could happen. And I went completely different way as 0% of my picks are similar. Wow. And All right. Zero. I, six hey, this, this is why we're doing it. This, I love this. This is why we're doing it. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a few picks have, uh, I have the team taking the same position, but different player. Fair enough. Um, and we'll get to that when I get to the pick. One of those picks is at number six. With the Carolina Panthers, I have them going Kenny Pickett. Uh, All right. I like it. Matt Rule, the Panthers head coach, needs to figure out the quarterback position. I think they do this year. Um, it's really the only year they can. It doesn't look like they're going to be bringing in a free agent. There were some rumors around them getting Baker Mayfield. I know Seattle just re-signed Geno Smith today, but they're also in on Baker, I believe. So it's to be seen what Baker's future destination will be. I uh, don't know when he will land in a spot, likely sometime early May after the draft or on draft night. But, I mean, I'm taking Kenny Pickett here. Uh, the head coach, Matt Rule, recruited Pickett back when Rule was the head coach at Temple. Um, the Carolina Panthers GM is a Pitt alum, so they have a couple connections in-house uh, with the head coach and GM with the quarterback and his university. I think he's likely here. He could be the most pro-ready when it's all said and done. Uh, he could have the biggest day one impact out of the quarterbacks in this class. And I just – we've been going Malik a lot of the times at six in most of our joint mocks. So I wanted to mix it up a little bit here. Um, I've also seen Pickett in a few mocks uh, from reporters. And I just think they're going quarterback here, but I don't know who it will be. I guess we'll find out in, here in about nine days. Uh, but Pickett at six is my pick for now. And uh, number seven, got the New York Giants on the board. Now I'm going to go Trayvon Walker, um, the edge out of Florida, who you had going second overall to the Lions. I'm going to give him to the New York Giants. So they, in my mock, they end up with Neal and Walker, uh, two positions of need that they fill instantly here in the first probably hour or so of the draft. And I think Walk Walker's a guy that could come in, produce from day one, um, probably does have a little bit more developmental side to him than the other top edges. But I just think that's because he's just getting serious media and reporter hype now. Um, come draft night, it could be a whole lot more. Uh, I guess it remains to be seen kind of what the consensus is on him when the draft comes around. Um, but I'm going to go with Walker at seven. I uh, think that's a likely landing spot kind of right in the middle of his range there. At number eight, the Falcons. I was really thinking long and hard about going Drake London. Um, I was thinking about it, but I went Garrett because I think Washington at 11 is, you know, if 
they got Garrett. I think he's similar to Terry more so than other receivers in this class. And for the sake of the no trades, I just went with a receiver here because, you know, this pick might be traded. Atlanta was rumored early on this offseason to be shopping the pick. But I doubt they will at the end. But obviously teams trade up to get picks above them. That changes the players that are taken. and It changes Atlanta's board when they're on the clock. Um, but I'm going with Garrett here. I think he, you know, first receiver off the board here at eight is probably pretty likely. And I like what he could bring to that Atlanta team. I think he's a little bit different than the other top receivers. And so him going to Atlanta will be really beneficial for whoever they have a quarterback for the long term. And then where you had Charles Cross going at nine to the Seahawks, I have Malik Willis going. And I think – All righty, all right. This is a pick that, you know, I – did this mock yesterday and I think, you know, Willis has been rumored to uh, Seattle a couple times and they just re-signed Gino and I think Willis could learn a little bit from Gino and just kind of the experience side, if nothing else. I don't know how much, you know, info on the field I would take from Gino, but at least for an experienced side and kind of, you know, how to navigate the early stages in the league and how to, you know, get your feet wet the right way, I think. Gino would really be beneficial to Malik uh, if they do end up with a quarterback this offseason. This will obviously not be the pick. Um, small chance it could, but I doubt they pick a quarterback at nine, at least, if they were to pick up a quarterback this offseason. But they just re-signed Gino, so it looks unlikely, and it seems even more likely that they're going to go with a rookie QB this year or next. And then to round out the top ten, I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner. You had Jermaine Johnson going to the Jets here at ten. And that's a great pick as well. Jermaine is a guy that should be a top 10 pick, but so is Sauce. And you had him going earlier than I did. Uh, could definitely see him going to the Jets' other pick at four. Have him going here at 10, basically, just because it's BPA at this point for the Jets. Uh, a guy that they could have gotten at four, they waited, and he's here for them at 10. And, you know, getting a guy that could come in that defense and really be a lockdown corner from day one is what the Jets need. Uh, they don't only have any secondary outside of a safety right now and they just need to build up the defense and get younger really at all levels so getting a guy like sauce well, i think help out that defense greatly especially early on when you have other young guys in that defense you can kind of take the reins and show them the ropes early in their careers as well man we're getting spicy today and i like it i like we got we got some hot takes from the cold seats today and malik willis at nine i like that um you mentioned a bunch of no trades. Yeah, I mean, no trades is going to have a huge impact on this and certainly did on mine, and I'm sure it did on yours as well, like you were saying, with your top 10. Um, we've got a couple, we've got a unique top 10 here um, on both of ours, and I like it. Um, had the same thought that you did at eight with, with Garrett in London. Um, ultimately, I made my decision, like I said, physical, but I really, I really like, I really like your, uh, your six through, your, I guess your, all your whole top 10, but your six through 10, I like it. So, uh, I like getting I like getting hot with with Malik Willis there at nine. I like that pick. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was something that I kind of thought about as a likely possibility, especially with how the board has fallen. And I just think with Pickett being the only quarterback off, that it's definitely something that could happen early in this draft. Um, we're going to head into 
kind of 11 through 15 range. And I'm going to start us off here as we kind of continue to alternate snake through this first round uh, where we each have done our own mocks. And with the 11th pick, I'm going to take the second wide receiver in Drake London. I think giving the Washington commanders Drake London will be really beneficial to not only their offense as a whole, but Terry uh, McLaurin. I think that'll help take some attention off him, you know, as London could be a really good receiver year one. Definitely see in the first three years him being a high caliber, maybe Pro Bowl receiver. Uh, just a guy that's really, you know, becoming what that kind of next era of receivers is in the NFL. Kind of fits the mold perfectly. And I think, you know, given Wentz, at least this year, uh, who will be the quarterback, a guy like London will be really beneficial. You just need to get Wentz weapons and it'll make a big difference in his play. Um, Washington could also use O-line, but here's kind of a weird spot, unless on my mock they want Charles Cross. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though, for them, as they have other bigger needs. Um, so I'm going with London here. I think it's the right pick for them with the way the board is falling. And then at number 12, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are on the board, and I give them Derek Stanley Jr., the corner out of LSU. Uh, Vikings need some defensive help. They lost a lot of guys, and the guys that are still there are getting up there in age. So definitely kind of looking for a new wave of high-impact guys, you know, to fill that defense up and fill out the roster on that side of the ball. So going with Stingley, a guy that start at corner. They just re-signed Patrick Peterson. So, you know, Pat Pete is a guy that could really uh, mentor Stingley, especially in his first year. Uh, Pat Pete likely to retire after this season. But at least for, you know, Stingley's rookie year, you kind of have that veteran leadership in that CB room, and Stingley should be really good in a few years. So I like that landing spot for him. Um, unfortunate that he won't be there for my team, but I think, you know, this is the way that's going to go. I think two corners will be gone in the first 12 picks. Number 13, the Houston Texans are on the board with a pick they acquired from the Cleveland Browns in the Deshaun Watson trade. I'm going to give him Jameson Williams, receiver out of Alabama. A guy that I really see going here. I feel like this is his most likely destination. And I just put him here at 13 just because of, you know, Davis Mills as their quarterback this year. New head coach coming in and Lovey Smith. You want to give your offense as many weapons as they need and kind of take the, some pressure off the coaches uh, when you have, you know, guys of Jameson Williams caliber that could come in and make that impact. It's definitely greatly beneficial to everyone. Um, maybe not the defense and practices, but building out this roster young with young high impact guys is just, I mean, it's beneficial to every team, but I feel like more so with the Texans, it's just that much better for them. Uh, number 14 here in my team, the Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. And I'm going to give him Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher out of Florida State. The guy that I feel like the Ravens got to jump on if he's there at 14. A couple guys on the board I was, you know, thinking about. Charles Cross was on my board. Zion Johnson was there. Maybe a hair of a reach as he's expected to go kind of in that 20 to 25 range. Um, Jordan Davis was there. Tyler Linderbaum. But I went with Jermaine. I think edge is kind of. You know, it seems like it's more likely of a pick here at 14 for the Ravens. Um, the Ravens are always, you know, never ones to really reveal what they're thinking. So it's hard to kind of get an understanding of what their direction is going to be. But just knowing based off past drafts all the way, you know, past five, 10 years, it's kind of 
leaning towards that direction. Now it can change in the blink of an eye with one report. Um, when I'm going with Jermaine here, I think he could step in and, you know, really complete guy there off the edge opposite Odafe Owe, who they drafted at 27 in last year's or in last year's draft. Um, and as Tyus Bowser comes back from injury, I think, you know, this spot for Jermaine is probably his floor, if I had to guess. And then at 15, before I flip back over to you, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. I'm going to give him Trent McDuffie, corner out of Washington. Uh, McDuffie's a guy that could really go anywhere from 10 to 30, honestly. Um, I think him going here is likely just because, you know, Darius Slay had a good year last year, but he's not getting any younger. And a guy like McDuffie can come in and kind of play anywhere along that, you know, defensive backfield if you want him to. He can play the slot corner, outside corner. Um, you can do it all, really. Uh, a guy that I'm not really high on, but I see him here as kind of a developmental piece for that defense and kind of getting that defense back on track as they're probably going to lose a couple of guys just to retirement in the next few years here. Yeah, like it. Give me your uh, run me through your, that that five again. I think I, I think I'm flipping my head. I'm flipping who you had twelve and thirteen. London eleven, Stingley twelve. Okay, Jamison yeah. thirteen. Okay, I just wonder. Like, I I thought you'd given uh, when I was listening. I thought I flipped it in my head and he had Jamison at twelve. Okay, so um, similar players here in my uh, in my top. I guess my eleven to fifteen here. Um, I like I like your picks a lot. I think. You're right. Jermaine Johnson's floor is absolutely 14 with you guys at 14. Um, I think he'd slide in great with that defense. Uh, would have been the pick for me if he was on the board for y'all um, at 14, but I went a different direction there, seeing he was already off the board at 10. But uh, at the 11th overall pick, I went Jameson Williams. Uh, similar thing you mentioned earlier with Garrett Wilson being a little too similar to Terry McLaurin. Um, I feel the same way here, and he's on the board. He's still the best wide on the board, but I don't think he is – really fits what Washington's trying to do. Again, I think him and Terry are very similar. I don't know if it's conducive to have two of those kind of guys in the offense at the same time on the field. So this year, the guy like Carson Wentz, a quarterback, you kind of got to have versatility in your weapons. Uh, James Williams, I mean, he, he could end up being the best home run hitter in this draft. I think he is right now. And ultimately, he could be the most dynamic pass catcher that Carson's ever played with and um, could be the best home run hitter in the division. So I feel like it, it's still a great pick for them to pick James Williams. Uh even though he's maybe not the best receiver on the board. Uh, but I think it's, it still works a lot. Again, it works well for him. Again, whether or not Carson can take advantage of having a dynamic playmaker like that, I don't know. But you at least have to lead the horse to water. You can't make it drink, but you at least got to lead it there. So um, went, went JMO at 11. Uh, number 12, I'm going Derek Stingley Jr., uh, just like you. Uh, typically, I would put Jordan Davis or Kyle Hamilton here, and I have in the past, but – with Stingley on the board, I don't think the new regime passes up a higher position of like a more premium position than of corner as as opposed to D tackle and safety with Davis and Hamilton. Uh, you know, I, I think Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach there, has seen firsthand what a shutdown corner can do for a defense uh, when he was in LA and they had Jalen Ramsey. And I think Stingley has that upside. He has the upside to be a lockdown corner. Um, you know, it fills one of their biggest needs, and he gets an opportunity to be, uh, you know, mentored by a former LSU Tiger and All-American, as well as wearer of the illustrious number seven at LSU in the secondary, and Pat Pete. Um, like he mentioned it's a great opportunity for him to learn from Pat Pete, get your feet under you, get your feet wet in the NFL. Um, 
a team that can probably afford to wait. I think they're going to be in maybe a bit of a rebuild period um, pretty soon. So if Stingley, you know, maybe isn't healthy week one or has an injury early on in his career, I think it'll be okay for them long-term. Uh, pick 13, Kyle Hamilton finally comes off the board. Uh, I think he should go earlier than this. The NFL doesn't really value safeties. Um, and I think this is where he falls. I think Houston jumps on this opportunity. I mean, talk about getting who I think are the two best players in the draft, and they get them at two and or three and 13. They didn't even pick the top two. And I think they get the, the, the first two players in the draft in terms of all my board. Um, you pair Hamilton with, with Thibodeau, and it gives, you know, it gives them two potential all pros and guys that are can't miss players in the NFL. Um, Hamilton especially. So they get two blue chip building blocks for their franchise. That appears to be a few years out of contention. Uh, again, building up the defense is a great way to start, especially if you have a young quarterback, whether it's Davis Mills or someone else in the future. Um, I think building up a defense is the way to go for him. And I got the Baltimore Ravens here. This is the first time I made a pick for the Ravens this offseason. Um, I guess on, on the pod. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to peg what the Ravens may want to go with. Brett has been telling me for a while that if Jordan Davis is on the board, uh, they would take him. I mean, you know, a, a, barring a Jermaine Johnson type or Steric Stingley type is on the board. Uh, Brett's been saying it's Jordan Davis. It's Jordan Davis, and I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my guy. I'm gonna go Jordan Davis here. Um, the rich get richer up front. Talk about a front seven that gets even better with Jordan Davis, a guy that I think and I know Brett thinks the same. Uh, thinks the same of him very highly that he could be the best run defender in the NFL pretty soon. Um, you know, by by the end of his rookie deal, highly likely. So. Uh, he presents a super, super rare size and athleticism combo that, you know, I don't know if the NFL has seen in a long time. Uh, a guy that big moving that well is is freakish, and I think Jordan Davis fits really, really well uh, in any defense, but especially that new Ravens defense they're breaking in this year. Uh, gives them a steady presence up front, especially when Clayus Campbell eventually moves on in the next couple of years. And then at 15, finally, my guy, Garrett Wilson, one of my favorite players in this draft, mainly because he's out of uh, Austin, Texas. But uh, Garrett comes off the board here. This is an easy one for Philly, I think, if this is their board. He's the best player on the board. He fits the wide art room really nicely. I don't think they pass on him if he falls to him on draft night, which I could see happening. And the reason being because we've seen guys who are more separators fall in the draft. Like C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy both fell in the draft because they were separators. And there were other guys in the in that same draft class at the top that had super rare athletic traits like Henry Ruggs' speed that year. Jamison Williams and Drake London have super rare athletic traits. J-Mo being high-end speed, Drake London being this, you know, freakish athlete at 6'5", moving really well with the ball in his hands, um, being an elite jump ball guy. And I don't like to use the term elite a lot with prospects going in the NFL – I think Drink London comes into the NFL and is immediately one of the best jump ball guys in the league up there with D hop, Mike Williams, all those kind of guys um, in terms of jump ball and, and win percentage on those. So, uh, you know, with those guys off the board, Garrett Wilson's the easy pick here. I think Garrett's the best receiver in the, in the class. I think he just presents the best opportunity. And I think he fits really, really well with what Philly's doing offensively with, with uh, Jalen hurts, presumably as a quarterback of the future. And then, uh, Devontae Smith on the outside. Two great separators and talk about guys that are always open. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, really different from the picks that I had. Who'd you have at 11 and 12 again? I had at 11, I had JMO. 
and then 12 I had Stingley. We had, this, we had the same uh, at 12 with Stingley. Um, yeah. You know, Hamilton was on your board, and then obviously the Ravens. I'm, I, I had to pick Jermaine at 14 if that was the guy uh, on the board there, but right. he went at 10. So, um, But, yeah, similar guys we had going. Uh, I think in terms of positionally, we you know, uh, wide receiver at 11, uh, you know, front set or defensive lineman at, at 14 for Baltimore. Um, you like the Jordan Davis? How, how do you feel about it? I want to know. I like it a lot. Um, I just feel like in the back of my head there's that report about, you know, our GM, Eric DaCosta, kind of had a pre-draft press conference and he was we we're talking about the O-line because it's just a big need and with yeah. Lamar's play style, it's just so imperative that you have a dominant O-line. Um, I'm with you. He was talking about, talking about center position and he was saying, you know, we want really big guys, big physical guys that fit our system, um, starting from the center position going out to each uh, tackle spot. And that just screams smoke screen for a Linderbaum. Um, that or it just that or it just points towards Zion Johnson, one of those two. Yeah, but I always think you know you could trade back and get Zion. That'd be my oh, ideal agreed, yeah. Um, but I like it a lot. Jordan Davis is a guy that should come in day one, play a few downs, and make that impact. And you know we were number one run defense last year. Getting Jordan Davis is nice having him and Calais in the middle, with yeah. Derek Wolf coming back, and you know our edges getting healthy. Definitely something that would be exciting for all Ravens fans, but I'd especially be excited if we got Jordan. I know it's not the consensus, you know, what Ravens fans want at 14 based off who they think will be there, but I like it a lot. All right, I'm going to get into my 16 through through 20 here. Um, I have those that have been tracking, guys that I still have available. Like, obviously, it's no trades, so um, – yeah, with trades, we had to head mock. It had been a little hectic. Um, we wanted to keep a little, keep some continuity here, so no trades. But Malik Willis is still on the board. And as much as I want to take Trevor Penning at 16 for the Saints to get him off the board for the Chargers at 17, I got to go Malik Willis at 20 or at 16. I have to. I have to take him for the Saints here because if this is the board on draft night, this is the pick they're making, right? I mean, th- this is what they're going to do. Um, you know, again, he won't be here at 16 on draft. And I, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think New Orleans, they may not pick here at 16 on draft night. Um, but in this mock, they get a guy who they would have moved up for. And, uh, you know, Brett and I is QB one in this class. And I think this is, this would be a great pick for them. He, he needs a year. They seem committed to Jameis for at least one season. So I think this, this works out perfectly for them. They, they allow Malik to sit behind a guy who's played in the NFL I don't know if Jameis is the best mentor, uh, but you know what? He got he got LASIK, he got his eyes fixed, so maybe he is. Um, but I think Malik Willis could be scary with, with the weapons that they currently have on that offense and the weapons they could accrue over the next couple of seasons. So uh, th- this was an easy one here at 16. Uh at 17. I'm gonna ramble here and I'm gonna apologize for that. And I will make I will make 18 through 19 quick because I'm going to ramble on the Chargers here a second. Um I'm going Trent McDuffie. Corner out of Washington. I am higher on him than Brett is, um, mainly also because I'm. It would have been Andrew Booth if Booth didn't have this chronic knee injury. Apparently, he's got these. He's had these tweaks in his knees for a while, and there's some stuff that's come out that he's got some, just some not great health uh, below, below the waist and and from the knee down. So it's a little bit concerning in a corner, and I don't think the Chargers take that risk. And I think they take McDuffie. Um, Could have gone in a million different directions here. 
I considered Zion very heavily, Zion Johnson, very heavily considered Chris Olave and George Karloftis as well. Um, did not consider Trevor Penning. I'm not going to get on that soapbox right now about why I don't like Trevor Penning. I won't sit here for 30 minutes and talk about that. But I thought that I will, was the pick for you. No, I, I'll give my reason why I don't think Penning is their pick because, you know, the Chargers front office and staff have spoken at length this offseason about how, you know, what their plan is and what they've done so far. And, um, you know, Tom Telesco inadvertently said it, uh, you know, kind of being around the bush, knowing what, what Tom Telesco language is. He's kind of said it, and Brandon Staley directly said the words, we have set ourselves up to take the best player available at 17 in the draft. I don't think Trevor Penning is a guy who lands in their top 20 for a multitude of reasons, mainly being that he's a projection. They usually don't take players that they view as projects. Um, they've always taken guys who that, that can make an impact day one. I think that doesn't change here. Again, I don't think he's a top 20 prospect for them. Uh, again, I don't think his, his demeanor and his character – on the field is not something that the Chargers like. Um, there's a there's a, a training camp clip of uh, Tyron Johnson who ended up getting cut by the Chargers in training camp last year, and he kind of got into it with a DB uh, after a rep, and Brandon Staley jumped him. I mean, he was all over him. He ripped him, and he basically sat him the rest of practice. And this was mid-practice. The guy was battling for a spot, and he told him he was done for practice. He decided to get into it with another player to join a joint practice, and so – that's just not a guy that they're going to want to have on their team uh, from the way that he plays and the way that he carries himself. Uh, again, don't think he's a top 20 player for him. And when you're picking at 17, you're going to be picking a guy who you have as at least a top 17 prospect. And I think they're going to value Trent McDuffie that way. Um, just knowing that they've met with him, they've had a per Trent McDuffie, they had a great conversation and a great meeting, a great interview. Um, you know, I think Brandon Staley will like the way he plays a lot. I don't think that they're high on Michael Davis in the future who's another corner that they have. So I think a corner here is highly likely to kind of move on from him next offseason and get him cut. Um, I'll say this, this broke today and this, I finished this back half of this mock today. Uh, the chargers reportedly have Derek Stingley very high on their board. And I think if he falls past the jets at 10, it's game on and they might go up and get him. Uh, I think if he definitely goes, I think if he's on the board at 13 for Houston, I would predict that the Chargers move up and get him at 13 because it would only probably take next year's second. And I think that's an expendable pick to them. Uh, so look out for that on draft night. If Stingley falls past Minnesota at 12 or even the Jets at 10, I can see the commanders moving down. Uh, the Chargers really like him, apparently. I get it. I do. Um, I'd be happy with that. But uh, Trent McDuffie, a guy that, again, instant impact day one. He's a high-level player. Makes that secondary better uh, from day one. So fits the profile of a guy. The Chargers like. I'm gonna run through uh, 18 through 20 here pretty quick. Uh, went with Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, for Philly, a guy that a little bit difficult of a pick to make, but at the end of the day, it fills a need for him. They need a corner. Booth's a bit risky due to his injury history, but Philadelphia hadn't shied away from guys like that in the past. So uh, you get the super high ceiling on a pick that hits. Uh, if it hits for him, it's a top, you know, it's a potential top five corner in the league for him with that with that that ceiling. Uh, 19. I did go with Trevor Penning to New Orleans. Uh, would have taken this guy at 16 had Malik Willis not been on the board, and I think that's ultimately what happens if they pick at 16. They would probably take Penning because I don't think a guy they like a quarterback's there. Um, not a fan of him. I don't think he's worth a first rounder, let alone the 19th overall pick. But nevertheless, he'll go top 20 due to positional value and his athletic profile. Uh, a lot of teams like to project with high athletic traits. With Penning, I call that stupid stuff. That's just me. I'm not a fan of his. 20, I went Kenny Pickett to the Steelers coming off the board here. They've met with every quarterback in the top, in the, you know, in the top. They've met with Howell, Pickett, Willis, Corral, Ritter, 
Carson Strong. I mean, all the quarterbacks they've met with. So uh, they're taking a quarterback at 20. I would bet they move up. Uh, it, all the picks, uh, 10 through 15, even the even the Ravens, I can see them. You know, Eric DaCosta gets the right deal. They're making that move um, to get ahead of New Orleans. So uh, I think I ultimately think Pittsburgh moved up to get a quarterback. But in this mock, they're saying at 20, they get Kenny Pickett. It works out for him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a great set of five that you just did in your mock. Uh, but once again, 0% similar. Uh, I have teams going different directions. Uh, but both are realistic. I mean, that's the fun part about it is, you know, all the speculating, Absolutely. all these different mocks is kind of you never know what teams are going to do until they do it. Um, there's never really a consensus unless you're picking first overall. But this year, I mean, there really isn't at any pick. So it's definitely fun to speculate, and that's exactly what we're doing here. Um, but I'm going to keep it rolling with my 16 through 20 talk, and then I'll do my 21 through 26 after that. Um, we have 16 here. We have the New Orleans Saints. You had them going Malik Willis, and I'm going to give him Charles Cross, a guy that was still on board here uh, for my mock. And I just think this is a great pick for them. Um, probably won't be here at 16, but with the way the mock falls and no trades, I think this is a great pick, a great fit. Um, fills that role that Armstead just left last season. So really, I mean, a fit that not a lot of people are talking about is cross to New Orleans, but I think it's, it could be likely with the trade up. Um, but I like it a lot. And I gave it to them just because of the need and the value that he could bring to that team. All right, for your team, 17, Chargers, I gave him Chris Olave. Um, thank God. I thought you were going to say Trevor Penning. Oh, thank <laughs> God. Thank God. Uh, uh, you, you were saying that you want to bring speed, and it's kind of the thing you need to complete that wide receiver room, and Olave is just that um, great deep threat uh, in a different aspect than Mike Williams is. Uh, so giving them Olave would be a great fit as well, similar to – Crossfitting in New Orleans. Uh, I like Olave a lot. No one really knows where he's going to go. I mean, the range could be 15 to 30. I mean, really a number of different I've heard spots. Even as, I've heard even as high as eight, apparently. I don't want to interrupt you, but apparently eight. I don't buy it, but you're right. The range is crazy. Yeah. I mean, all these receivers could go a number of different spots. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, I'm going to take another one off the board right here at 18. I'm going to give the Eagles Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Um, a guy that, you know, has probably most commonly been mocked to the Eagles, if I had to guess. And I really like the fit here for them based off what it seems like they want to do and what the current state of the roster and kind of the types of players they're looking for, especially on that offense. Burks is just that. Um, to put with Rager, uh, Devontae Smith, I mean, I don't know if Rager's on the team, honestly. He could be traded draft night. Um, so getting Burks is a really good pick for them here at 18 to kind of round out those top two picks that they've uh, made. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan and you've taken McDuffie and Burks, I think I'd be really happy um, based off how your roster is right now, just kind of bolstering rooms that are, you know, average on your team. But now you're making them above average, and those are both positions uh, with corner and receiver that, you know, could be on the team for a while and make an impact for them for the next decade or so. Here at 19, got the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to give Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. Um, 
probably most pro ready quarterback between him and Pickett. It's tough, but I like how Corral could fit in that system. Um, I don't think they're really a team that would get Willis. They're probably the only QB needy team that I would think that is not going to get really a look at Willis. Um, interviewed, they interviewed him, I believe, but I just think that they're going to lean towards Pickett or Corral uh, or just wait till next year. But I guess it remains to be seen kind of what their direction is. Hopefully we find out here in the next week or so before draft. Um, but giving a corral to them is great. Like you said, um, Jameis Winston is still there. So, I mean, that's beneficial to any rookie quarterback having a, you know, a good veteran in the room. Uh, I don't know how long Winston remains there, but if you draft a quarterback this year, you have to assume that they're going to start probably at the latest next year. So, you know, taking corral off the board here is very likely where he could go around this 18 to 25 range. Uh, it could go higher, but all the quarterbacks really could go in the same range for these top three, four guys. Um, and then to round out the top 20 for me in my mock draft, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I've taken Zion Johnson, taken him a couple times in the mock, the joint mocks that we've done. But I just think Zion going to the Steelers is a great fit as well. Um, a lot of good fits in this five pick range for me. And Zion, you know, a guy that I really, really like. He's really strong, just a road grader um, along the offensive line. I think he could be an incredible left guard for a team, um, has center flexibility, which is always, you know, nice to see. Um, but I like Zion a lot and giving him to a kind of a rival is always hard to do. But with him being on the board, I just feel like he's the pick for the Steelers. And, you know, the Steelers have a really good front office. So they're not going to make a mistake here at 20 by going with Zion Johnson. You know, it's really funny. I was I was doing this mock, and I get to pick twenty, and I go, oh, Zion Johnson, he's going to going to Pittsburgh. And I literally start writing in my notes. I'd like to apologize now to Brett for sending his favorite guy in the draft to his least favorite team. And I ultimately went back on it, and I ended up making it uh, – change it to pick it. But um, that's funny. No, I, I like the Zion, John, Zion Johnson fit there a lot. It makes a lot of sense. They have to get better on the offensive line. Um Really, really high-level interior guy. He can start from day one and be a Pro Bowl type of guy. So, uh, really like it. I, I like those fits a lot. They make a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think as as we kind of get through this and um, we kind of start to see that the chain reaction effect of of the picks that we make prior and how they change the guys that can be on the board for the corresponding mock. Um, and and I think the cool thing is is that we have no idea what the draft's going to be. And the the speculation, like you said, is is the fun of it. And I think we're really getting to see as you get into the twenties here. And I'll, and I'll and I'll let you get going here on your 20, 21 to 26. Um, but I think as we kind of get into this, you can really see how different these, these drafts can go because, you know, for me, a guy who's going to be on the board for say at 24 may not be on the board for Brett at, at 24. And I think it's really cool to see, um, you know, these teams, different scenarios that they could go because every team has more than just one need. There's not, there's not a team with just one need. Every team can get better at multiple different positions. And I think that um, I think it's cool that we can get to see kind of our thought process here, kind of shake out. But yeah, I agree completely. Um, I'm going to get going here with my 21st overall pick. The Patriots are the ones that have that pick. It's their own pick. I give them Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Uh, I know you've mentioned in the past how much you like this fit for them. And, you know, this is just where I see him going as the most likely destination for him. I think 
you know, he's been rumored to the Ravens at 14 is kind of a dark horse pick. Um, just fits that yeah, I like play that. style. I like, I, mean, I like that fit. I like that. Um, but I could, I could see it at 14. I wouldn't be too upset. Um, probably watch him here in the next week or so. Um, uh, I wouldn't be too upset with that for anyone really. If you're picking between 14 and 30, I doubt he's there past the Patriots, past the Cardinals, but I'm just giving them the Patriots here. I think, you know, they don't really have anyone at linebacker anymore. Dante Hightower is retired. So I definitely love, you know, giving them Lloyd and letting Vilichek kind of work with him. And I think he could be really dominant in five years or so. And at 22, Green Bay Packers, I'm giving them Jordan Davis um, out of Georgia. We talked about him a few minutes ago, but, you know, this is a guy that I could see come in, you know, they're always known for huge D tackles. I always remember BJ Raji back about eight years ago. Uh, and he played pretty well for them. And, you know, they lost some edge rushers. So they are just looking for that run stopping. They have Devondre Campbell, um, but they need guys along the defensive line, especially. And Karloff or Karloftis. Jordan Davis gives them that spot, that dominant run stopper with pass rush upside that I could definitely see um, panning out for the Packers and panning out for Davis as well. I think he could really be utilized correctly along that defense for years to come. At 23 here, I accidentally just said it, George Karloftis to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, He's an edge rusher out of the University of Purdue. I think him going to the Cardinals is a good spot for him, probably on the lower end of the range where he could be picked. But I just like him going to the Cardinals because I always think they draft defense early on more so than offense. And he's a guy that could really be utilized well there in Arizona. Uh, You know, you lose Chandler Jones. And I know they're very different edge rushers. But, I mean, you have J.J. Watt and you still need that run stopping more so. Uh, You lose some pass rush. But I think, you know, collectively along the defensive line will help make up for those pressures and sacks. So giving them Carl Loftus, who, you know, has good pass rush upside is really nice for them. And I think with them sticking and picking at 23 is a really great pick uh, for value and production there for them. And at 24, got the Dallas Cowboys on the board with their own pick. And I'm going to give them Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, uh, a team that could use a center pretty badly, honestly. And giving them a center just because, you know, they don't have one, really a good one on the roster. And I think with the way the board has fallen for them, you know, they have a corner and they have their corner opposite digs is actually really solid. Um, you know, Booth was on the board. Penning was on the board. Um, they don't really need a receiver at this pick. So I went with Linderbaum just to help bolster that offensive line. It's always beneficial to your you know, your quarterback and your running back. When you have an offensive line, it just makes the whole offense run. So with them losing Lyle Collins and Travis Frederick retired, Zach Martin, you know, he's dominant there. I think if you pair him next to Linderbaum, it'll be really nice for that offense. And then uh, 25th pick, the Bills are on the clock, and I'm going to give them Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, they lost they lost Tredavid – or. Levi Wallace to the Steelers, um, who was playing opposite Tredavious White 
And so replacing Wallace with Booth, in my opinion, is an upgrade. Um, I think they could be, you know, a top five corner duo in two years. Uh, really, really, really complete team the Bills are. And I just think, you know, giving them Booth can really help the safeties kind of worry less about those guys as much as if they had their current cornerback room. So, I mean, it's a great pick for them with them picking there and the way the board is, you got to take Booth in this scenario. You could always go receiver. Um, Christian Watson was also a thought here, but I just didn't go with him because I think corner is a bigger need. I mean, you have Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, who is a good tight end, but I mean, he does the job really well. Uh, and obviously Stefan Diggs. So I feel like corner was a bigger need with really Tredavious White is the only guy. And then uh, to finish out my turn here, uh, 26, the Tennessee Titans, giving them Trevor Penning. Um, uh, we mentioned it, what was that, in the second or third mock draft Monday that we had for y'all. Um, so three or four weeks later, sticking with the pick here. And I think he fits that kind of Taylor Luan play style at that same position as Luan. Uh, and I see him, you know, I think he pans out there with variable as the coach, I think we'll kind of rein him in a little bit and still keep that tenacity that he has about him. I think you should start him out at guard still, um, but it looks like if he goes to the Titans, it'll probably play tackle from day one. Best player culture and team culture fit in the draft. Certainly better than mine at 26. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I have no idea what this guy's like off the field. Never met him. Maybe I'll ask some friends that, have got, that go to that college, but whatever. We started off hot at 21, going one for one. I have Devin Lloyd going. You mentioned it. This is my favorite player team fit in the draft. Uh, it always has been. It always will be. Uh, Bill Belichick's defenses are at their best, and they have a dominant middle linebacker, uh, dominant guy wearing the green dot in the middle. They don't have that anymore now that uh, Dante Hightower is no longer there. So I'm going to go, like I said, Devin Lloyd. I think he's LB1. I know Brett disagrees, and we'll get into that on Thursday. Uh, which is fair. It's a, it's kind of a weaker linebacker class, but I, I like Lloyd a lot. Um, you know, he slots really well. I think N'Kobe Dean slots really well too. I just think Bill will prefer Devin Lloyd's size and athleticism. Uh, I also think he played with less talent at Utah, which I think helps him. I think N'Kobe Dean will get knocked because he had such a talented front seven in front of him. It made his life a little bit easier. Um, nevertheless, he's still a good linebacker, but I'm going Devin Lloyd at 21 here. <laughs> Uh, 22 went offensive pick here. Uh, a guy who was off the board for Brett, guy who had to go into the Chargers, which love the pick. I uh, love the fit. Uh, he was a guy who was my second choice there, but uh, I got Chris Olave going to Green Bay. Uh, this is the easiest pick I've had to make so far, no doubt. Uh, Aaron Rodgers gets his wide receiver one, and Olave fills a beautiful spot in that offense. That that's kind of what they're missing is a deep threat, a smooth deep threat, and that's what Olave is. Um, like we mentioned, these guys could go anywhere in the draft, and I think if Olave falls to Green Bay at 22, it's a it's a no-brainer for them. Um, again, not much to analyze. It's an easy pick other than draft Chris Olave first of all in all of your dynasty leagues because I'll be doing the same. If I if I think I have the first pick, and if Olave goes there, that's my pick, no doubt. If he goes to LA, that's my pick, no doubt. Uh, but, yeah, I think he, he's going to have a really high-impact year one for Aaron Rodgers if he goes to Green Bay. Uh, 23, another guy who was off the board already. Uh, in Brett's mock, it was Zion Johnson going to Arizona. Uh, thought process here was like Brett said, Arizona usually goes defense in the first round. 
and that's gotten them nowhere with Kyler Murray. Uh, it's made him unhappy, and I think has evident, like we talked about on Thursday, there's a kind of an issue there between the two parties right now. I think if they want to keep Kyler Murray happy, it starts with getting the offense better around him and uh, the protection better specifically. Kyler has made a couple complaints to the front office about the O-line. Uh, they got Rodney Hudson last offseason, but that ain't going to – just Rodney Hudson ain't going to cut it for that offensive line. So Zion Johnson comes in, be a Pro Bowl guard from day one, I think. Really, really solid left guard, right guard. Uh, whichever side they want to play on, he's a, you know, a guy who can be the potential to be a pro bowler, and I think he can play tackle in an emergency situation, play tackle at BC, his uh, this first year at BC. So has the potential to side there in an emergency situation, but at a high-level guard going to Arizona here to try and stop a guy who's just has their number in Aaron Donald. Um, at 24, a guy who went right before in Brett's mock at 23, I got George Karloff that's going to Dallas here. Um they're probably pretty pissed that Zion Johnson just went at 23 because that would have been the pick for him as, as non-flashy as it would have been. It would have been the easy pick. Um, but I think they'll go George Karloftis again. It's a flashier pick than offensive line. I can I did consider Linderbaum here needed to need a center, but Jerry just doesn't really take centers in the first round for some reason. Uh, I think he's it's not as flashy as Traylon Burks could have been who's on the board here I considered, but uh, it's a guy that fills a need for him. They could they could definitely afford to get another edge rusher across from Lawrence slash Parsons. Um, it seems like those guys don't really rush the passer at the same time much. Uh, but a guy who sacks the quarterback's plenty flashy for, for Jerry Jones, so that's the pick here. And uh, for a team that needs a lot of work to get being connected in the NFC, it starts with rushing the passer, uh, getting after Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, those kind of guys, Matt Stafford. Uh, 25. Same position as Brett, different player. Uh, Booth is already off the board for me, so I'm going with Kair Alam, the corner out of Florida. I'm a big fan of Alam's uh, coverability. I think he's a high-quality player. Uh, I was tempted to take Traylon Burks, but like Brett said in his mock, they could get better receivers later in the draft. They can find value there to play across from uh, Diggs and Kit and Gabe Davis. So I'm uh, going to go with Alam here, a guy who, who can cover wide receiver twos just fine across from, from Trey White. They could be a top-level corner duo at some point in the league in the future and while he needs some work in the run game, I think Sean McDermott and, and company there can coach that up and get him right. Uh, 26, Traylon Burks does come off the board here. I mean, just imagine putting A.J. Brown and, and Traylon Burks in the same offense, two absolute physical freaks. Uh, you know, a guy that, you know, a team, I guess a team rather that wants to be physical in all phases of the game. That's what Traylon Burks does for him here is they get real physical on the outside. Not only a guy that can tote the rock in the run game for a team that wants to run the ball a lot and give King Henry a breather, but a guy who can block on the outside, take some pressure off AJ Brown or the Julio's gone. They don't really have another wide receiver and have a, a wide receiver too. Um, but I really like Traylon Burks here. I think he fits the offense. Again, they could use him in a ton of different ways. Give Derrick Henry a break, use him as a decoy. Uh, give A.J. Brown some relief uh, in, in in the passing game. So I uh, really like the fit here for Tennessee. Yeah, that's – I like what you did there a lot with those six picks that you just went through. Um, starting with Lloyd, I mean, that's, I think, what we both like for them there. And then I like that you went Zion at 23 the Cardinals. I wish – you know, if we trade back to 23 and take him, it would be a dream. Hey, we had it last week. Hey, maybe we'll have it next week on the last mock. The, the final hey. mock, maybe we'll maybe have it then. Hey, we might, but – and then uh, 25, taking Alam, I think is a really good pick for them. You know, kind of a guy that's a little bit similar to Trey White. Uh, 
can really help that secondary. And then Burke's going to Tennessee, you just mentioned, uh, would be really nice for Tannehill in that offense to, you know, add that kind of wide receiver to that room that's already really solid. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, obviously we were similar on the Lloyd pick, but other than that, I mean, Olave is a really good pick, and we've been different on everything, so this is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love this. This is way more fun than I thought. I mean, I have always have a good time doing these mocks and stuff, but this is way more fun than I thought it'd be. This is this is sweet, getting to see how we, we differ here. And I think it's cool. Again, we, we both have a lot of knowledge on the draft, and I think, again, the way the board falls prior affects how we pick later. And in it's real life. Like, what if – a team like what if Olave isn't there? Like you Green Bay, that's your Green Bay situation, and mine is if he's there. So I think it's cool um, to see, like we've been saying the whole time. Uh, also, I will say at twenty six with Tennessee, don't be shocked if draft night if they take like a quarter, like like a Matt Corral if he's there or something like that. It would not shock me, just because I know they don't like Tannehill and they want they want to move on. But um, definitely was not going to do that here. Uh, twenty seven. I'll, I'll get through my my last six here. And we'll, and we'll try and run through this and, and get out of here and I'll let Breck get his. But uh, I'm going to go Daxton Hill at 27 for Tampa Bay. Uh, once again, the rich get richer. Uh, you can never have enough DBs in the NFL. Uh, Tampa lost a couple this offseason, and I think that, you know, they slot in Daxton Hill, who I who personally I view, and I know Brett does too, is a, kind of a Swiss Army knife, uh, a guy who just can kind of do it all in the defense. He can drop into a deep third, drop into a deep half and zone. You know, he can press up, play guy in the slot. He can, he can drop into his own in the slot, into a flat or into a kind of a curl curl zone um, or a corner zone, that kind of thing. It, it, he can do everything. He can also come off the edge and blitz and blitz at a high level uh, and go get a quarterback and be a, a physical player in the run game. I think he's – there's really no weakness to his game. I don't think he's, like, really great at anything, but he's a – like I said, a Swiss Army knife, master of none, but really good at all, which, you know, at 27 is a great value, I think, uh, in terms of getting a guy that can do that. Um, guy get really physical in the line of scrimmage, uh, whether it's in press coverage or whether it's in the run game. Uh, another one of the guys who I really like in this class, I think it fits Tampa Bay. They can, they're going to find him a spot on the field in every defensive grouping, uh, personnel group that they have. Uh, Could have gone wide out here, but I feel like there's better value in rounds two and three. Again, same thing with Buffalo. And again, t- Tom Brady's the master of making wide outs look better than they are. So, uh, you know, they can, they can find another wide out later in the draft. Uh, 28. Getting spicy here, a little bit, a little bit spicy. I don't know if this is a pick that, that we've thought of collectively in our mocks, but I thought about it today looking at Green Bay's death chart and I said, man, this kind of makes sense. It's not a great board for their assumed needs, but one of the things I learned, um, shout out the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, my favorite guys out there, um, had a couple Green Bay beat writers on talk about their pick, and they kind of talked about how the the offensive line needs a little overstated. And it's, it's not the perceived need along the offensive line really isn't there. They like what they have a lot internally, and they feel like they have a right tackle in Elton Jenkins who can play there every day, and he was a great right-left tackle when Bakhtiari was out. And it sounds like the Bakhtiari injury history is clean. He has an entire offseason to rest. Get the fluid out of his knee. So it sounds like he'll be ready to go for the full season. Um, so with that in mind, I went with N'Kobe Dean here. Kind of an unconventional pick for him, but I think I, I really like it the more I thought about it. I kind of talked myself into it because, you know, their front, I thought about going Devontae Wyatt here and making a strength stronger, uh, you know, with that front seven. But I decided to go with N'Kobe Dean because, you know, they re-signed Devontae Campbell, which I thought was essential and, and a well-deserved contract, really good move for them to get him back in, in, the, in the linebacker room. But outside of him, like, 
what is there? I guess Rashawn Gary is technically an outside linebacker, but he's a, he's a pass rusher. He's a defense lineman to me. So I think they need another guy. And I think the Kobe Dean slots in from day one, they get a really physical linebacker, a guy who can play in coverage pretty well, a guy who could even rush the passer and blitz. I think it gives them two versatile linebackers in Dean and Campbell and a sneaky, sneaky linebacker duo that could challenge for, you know, the top, top duo in the league here in a few years. Um, but I just like the pick. It was different. Uh, something I hadn't thought about, but that I, I liked the fit a lot uh, for Green Bay there. At 29, uh, KC's back-to-back picks here. I got first one's going to be – one of them's going to be a receiver, and that's Jahan Dotson with the first one. Um, Dotson fills out the room really nicely with his smooth skill set. I think he's a really good route runner. Uh, he's not super fast. He's not super big. He's not going to go jump somebody, but I think he's just a smooth football player. And, you know, I was tempted to grab Sky Moore or even a Christian Watson or a George Pickens, but I think they have, you know, the Chiefs aren't a team that's that they've always had a diversified, you know, skill room. And I think they have a guy in, in Marquez Valdez-Scantling who they signed from Green Bay to fill that that deep speed role that Sky Moore would fill. And I think Juju fills that big body role that George Pickens would fill. And so that's why I went with Jahan Dotson. They don't really have a smooth route runner type of guy, and I think that, that's Jahan Dotson here. And then with their second pick here at 30, I went with Tariq Woolen, and th- this is maybe one of my hottest takes from the cold seat here, uh, getting re- pretty spicy. But here's the thing. KC is never a team that's drafted super well in the first round. They really like guys with traits and athletic profiles as much as the Jahan Dotson pick contradicts that. And I'll, I guess I'll contradict myself a little bit, but historically they've, they've liked guys with really high traits, and that's exactly what Woolen is. He's six foot four, running a sub four three two uh, at corner, which is absolutely insane um you know at worst comes to worst he's a, he's an elite special teamer for him uh i don't know if they're gonna i wanted to go jalen peach here i think jalen peach is a first rounder doesn't sound like the league thinks that potentially uh that's crazy i think jalen peach would have been a great fit here for him but you know i didn't want to go safety and go with like a lewis senior or jaquan brisker since they just signed justin reed and they supposedly like their safety room so um that's why I went with Will and they need a corner and they need a big corner. You know, you look at across the division, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, guys who are big, even Jerry Judy's big, you know, Tim Patrick, they have big receivers in the AFC West. So they got to go cover those guys and three cool and start, you know, it's a good start there. Um, 31 here, Tyler Linderbaum finally comes off the board. I think, you know, the rumor is that Cincinnati wants to pick defense here. And I, and I'm, I believe it. I, I think that's less rumor and more fact, but, Listen, if Tyler Linderbaum is here, uh, they abandon that and they pick him. You know, slam dunk, home run, bullseye, whatever sports reference you want to call this pick, that's what it would be if it was Tyler Linderbaum. Um, you know, I have him fallen here just because the NFL doesn't value centers at all. It's maybe one of the – as we've seen in draft history, maybe one of the least valuable positions in the draft, apparently. I think it's crazy. But, you know, we saw Creed Humphrey, Josh Myers, Landon Dickerson all fall pretty – pretty dramatically last year in the draft where people thought they'd go. You know, people thought Creed was a first-rounder. Dickerson was an early second, and they thought Myers was an early second. Those guys all went in, in the mid mid to late second round. So, uh, you know, Linderbaum falls here, and, uh, you know, Cincinnati gets a great pick as much as I hate to see it. Uh, you know, a, a rival AFC team uh, get a really good player, but that's, that's how it's going to be here. Um, again, that's the pick if he's there. And then my last pick of this mock, uh, this is a really hard one. I went back and forth whether or not to give Detroit a quarterback here, seeing that Matt Corral is here, one of my favorite guys in this draft. Um, but I went with Lewis Seen because I think he fits the Dan Campbell bill for a player. He's very physical, hard-nosed, 
you know, I think the front office will share that sentiment of that Dan Campbell does. And I think that they'll ultimately go get a quarterback next year. They should probably be pretty bad again. They also pick at 34. Jacksonville's not taking a quarterback there. They could just take one at 34 too. So, uh, you know, I think they go Lewis scene. Like I said, uh, you know, we've said it time and time again, and I'll, and I'll, I'll leave this as kind of my closing thought on my mock is that it's never a bad idea to pick a Georgia Bulldog, especially from that defense this year. So, uh, you know, Detroit starts their night at two with Trayvon Walker in my mock, and they finish it off here with another Georgia Bulldog and Lewis scene. I like it a lot. Um, very, very different mocks as I'll get to my final six here. Um, I have zero similar again. I went different directions each pick. Similar positions for a couple of the picks, but um, just ultimately thought that some other guys could go here more likely. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, different opinions on some things. And I just think that, you know, like, for example, the Bucks at 27, you had them taking defense. I have them going Kenyon Green, the uh, guard out of Texas A&M. And I just think that they go that direction after they lose a couple interior offensive linemen or offensive linemen in general this offseason. I think Dean is a really, really good player. And – or Dean Green is a really, really good player and will come in and produce for them early on and kind of, you know, play next to Ryan Jensen for the next year, at least three years. Uh, I think he ended up being really good, really, really good down the road. Um, I think his best spot's guard, and that's what he would play on the Bucks. So have him going here, really likely spot after kind of some off-season athleticism, you know, combine and pro day kind of dropped his stock a little bit. Um, then at 28, Green Bay Packers. I'm going Jahan Dotson. You had him uh, taking a receiver at 22 in Olave. I have him going receiver here. Um, we're both pretty similar on Dotson. I'm, I'm going 28. You have him 29. Uh, I like Dotson. I think he could kind of fill out that receiver room, kind of help bolster it to where it was. I think they go receiver later in the draft as well. But, you know, having Dotson in that room will be really helpful to Rodgers and uh, I'm just, I went with him because I didn't think they would go corner or uh, any other kind of receiver with Dawson being on the board. I figure Dawson was their top guy on the receivers at least. And at 29, uh, KC's got two picks. And with the first one, I have him going Kair Long out of Florida, corner, really good coverage guy. And I think that's what KC wants. Uh, they have a D line to, you know, stop the run and, Unless you're facing, you know, you mentioned all the big receivers in the AFC West. KC is kind of crazy that KC kind of has the worst, if we're just talking strictly wide receivers, probably the worst wide receiver room in the division. Um, but, you know, giving them a corner here, as I'm going to give them a receiver with my next pick at 30, uh, Alam's a guy that should come in and start for that defense and, you know, help kind of take some pressure off the safeties in terms of, responsibilities uh, and then 30 you had uh, them going with a corner kind of flipped here uh, I'm going with Christian Watson the wide receiver out of North Dakota State uh, he got into my first round based off his freakish athleticism uh, his height kind of the intangibles he brings um, stats set aside 
uh, you could dominate on the outside in a few years, especially with Mahomes. I mean, you, you run a sub four, four and you have Mahomes throwing to you. Um, I think he has good body control. And I think Watson will be the pick for them. Pickens was also a consideration out of Georgia. I had far less Georgia guys going in my first round than you did, uh, which is something notable, but I like Alam here uh, more so than where I've seen sometimes projected uh, as high as like the mid teens, but you know, this is a guy that could maybe be here for Casey. And I think you got to jump on the pick if he's there and then Watson as well. So two picks for KC that, you know, really make a difference year one, I believe, in two positions of need. Alama and Watson, like I just said, both could be game changers for that team. Um, and losing a guy like Tyreek and needing some corners, they really hit a home run in this first round. And then at 31, Bengals are on the clock, and I have him going Roger McCreary, the corner out of Auburn. Uh, I like McCreary a lot. He's a guy that I could definitely see end up being a first-round pick. And I think Cincinnati is the team that could take a chance, kind of him sneaking in the back end of the first round. Uh, McCreary, I mean, he's a guy that could be a really, really slot, really, really good slot corner. I think he's just a little bit more versatile than McDuffie. I think McDuffie should be a slot only guy early on, at least. Um, and I think McCreary could start day one on the outside. I think his best spots in the slot, but Nonetheless, when you have injuries, which are bound to happen, McCreary can slide all over the place, uh, which is always nice for a defense that, you know, is kind of up and coming in that corner room. I mean, when you have Eli Apple as a starting corner, that's never really ideal. So giving them McCreary is a, you know, exciting pick for them. Kind of tough for me. Another guy that I really, really like going to a division rival. Uh, I got to stop doing that. It's kind of frustrating doing these mocks when I'm giving, you know, division teams guys I like, but. I did it here again, uh, and I really like this fit, and Bengals fans should be happy if they took McCreary here at 31. And to round out our sixth edition of Mock Draft Monday, um, well, Mock Draft Tuesday in today's case, uh, the Detroit Lions are on the clock here at 32, and I'm going to give them Desmond Ritter, quarterback out of Cincinnati. I think Ritter's a guy that could go to Detroit here with how the first rounds have gone and kind of how their board looks. I mean, you have a couple guys that they could take. Um, they went Kyle Hamilton at two. So edge rusher is still, you know, a pressing need going into day two of the draft, which I think they would most definitely address in the second or third. Lots of guys that could come in and produce maybe one of the weaker um, day two rooms in terms of positional uh, quality but I definitely think they could get a good edge even in round four. So I'm giving him Ritter here as he's kind of, you know, one of the last tier one-ish guys uh, in that quarterback room. So with him being here at 32, I think he should be the pick. I mean, you have Jared Goff. You know what you're getting in him. Uh, I think Ritter could come in and, you know, play well for that offense. And, you know, whenever his time is to start, he gets to learn from a guy in golf. I mean, always beneficial. I've mentioned it a few times on this mock, how beneficial it is to, you know, learn from someone ahead of you on the depth chart, especially of older age. Um, but, yeah, I had four quarterbacks going in the first round. I think you had four as well. Uh, or, no, did you have three? I think you had three. I think I had three. Let me, I don't remember. I think it was three because it, I'd uh, pick it to New, or pick it to Pittsburgh – 
Uh, yeah, no, I had three. I had three. Yeah. But yeah, very different. A, I, I, yeah, I, I would have had four if, I, like I said, it, Detroit at 32 is a quarterback spot. I, I almost had that, so it would have been four like you. Yeah, um, I didn't have Dean, Wyatt, or Seen, uh, all Georgia guys going in the first. Uh, all I had was Walker, Davis, um, didn't have Pickens either, who's also a guy that could be in the first. So, I mean, in terms of Georgia Bulldogs, there's about six guys that could be drafted on Thursday night, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, listen, I you know, I didn't have I didn't have Davis going either, or Davis, sorry, Wyatt going either. Um, you know, I think there's they they could have, like you said, two, like you had in your with Walker and Davis, they could have you know, six, if you throw in, uh, you know, I had, let's see, I had f- uh, four with uh, Walker, Davis, Dean, and and Seen. I mean, you, you could throw Pickens and Wyatt in there and make it six, and it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think that's the crazy thing about this mock. I think we had a couple of different guys. Like, I didn't I didn't have Christian Watson going in my first round, which, you know, again, it's another guy that really could go in the first round. I didn't have Kenny and Green in my first round either, um, a guy that could easily go in the first round, I think. We've echoed it kind of on the on the pod all offseason. Um, is that there are guys that you could see going eight overall and you go, okay, fair enough. And there's guys you could see in that same player could go at 32 and you go, okay, fair enough. Like Devin Lloyd's a guy in my mind who I wouldn't be super shocked if he went in the top 10 because of what he presents, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he went at 32 because the league doesn't really value linebackers super high. And that's just kind of how it is. And if a team sees Dean is LB1 instead, they'll take him. I mean, these teams' boards are not going to be the same. One team's going to have one guy listed, at, you know, you know, wide receiver one, and he could be wide receivers five or six on another guy on another team's board. So, um, you know, it's not just a quarterback class. That's that's kind of up in the air this year with rankings. It's kind of it's always like that with teams and the tackles, uh, you know. Uh, you know, at least in the first round, they're looking at past the past the first round, running backs, tight ends. It's always going to be that way where teams are going to be different. And we we try to illustrate that last week with our, uh, I guess, offensively with our rankings, and then we'll do the same thing this week with our defensive rankings on Thursday. Uh, we try to illustrate that for you guys a little bit. Um, but I had a really good time with this. Definitely a little more different than I thought we'd be, but I think that's obviously the goal here, um, you know, is to kind of show some different mocks. And uh, I had a really good time with this. Definitely something we're going to have to bring back more than once next year during the draft, during the draft season. Um, definitely a fan of this. And I think, honestly, I think both mocks were great. I think we went in great directions with all of our picks. I don't think there was a bad pick in this mock, either of our mocks. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Kind of shook it up with something different this time. It was probably my favorite mock we've done. Um, oh, yeah. Just comparing, you know, it's as fun as seeing just someone put out a mock draft and seeing the different directions they go and thinking, okay, well, that, that is a likely scenario, but you know, I chose to go a different way. And that's something that's always cool is all the different scenarios that could play out on draft night, which is April 28th for those that do not know. Um, that is a Thursday night. And we kind of have one last mock draft Monday for y'all here next Monday as our kind of final one uh, before the draft. So, and then we'll have a recap the Monday after the draft just to talk about kind of what happened, winners, losers, uh, kind of the haul that each team had, which would be exciting. But do um, you have anything left to say? No, I think uh, it's it's really been fun doing these mock drafts. Like I said, we have one more, one big mock left. We'll do kind of our final mock draft, and we'll give you guys what we're going to call a mock the draft, the Monday after the draft, give you guys a full breakdown 
of uh, you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday's draft. I think we'll may, we may do an instant reaction podcast uh, for late Thursday night after day one. I give kind of our initial thoughts, knee-jerk reactions from the first round. I know I'll have my notes out uh, dur- during the first round as every pick goes by and the news we see. And um, can't wait. It's it's Christmas in April. Everyone everyone that knows me uh, knows that I that, that's what it is for me. And I know it's the same for Brett. It's Christmas in April. So uh, we're looking forward to it. It's gone by crazy, gone by crazy fast. I think the podcast helps us get, to get on here and uh, make this content for you guys. It definitely helps it go by fast. Um Really looking forward to it, though. That's all I got uh, for today. Yeah, make sure y'all get y'all drop us a follow wherever you listen. Um, you know, we're on all platforms. Um, be sure to, you know, if you kind of forget where to listen for some reason, you can always just go to our bio and Twitter, Instagram at Cold Seat Podcast. Click on the link, take you right to it. Um, we got our, I believe, eighth episode for y'all this Thursday at 6 p.m. Um, not quite as much to talk about this week. Might be a little more centered around uh, NFL. We have our defensive position rankings where we rank our top five guys at each position, similar to what we did on the offense this past Thursday. Um, so be sure to tune in. Uh, make sure you listen for when that comes out. And uh, we'll see you all in a few days. See you guys Thursday.